0: Hello, this is Dr. Dan Guerra coming to you from Authentic Biochemistry uh, on the 2nd of September, 2019. Today, we're going to talk about omega-3 fatty acids and whether or not they can alter obese adipose pro-inflammatory responses. So this is a topic that has been getting a lot of attention in the primary research literature Trying to discuss whether or not omega 3 fatty acids in the diet have a positive effect on controlling many metabolic diseases, and not just metabolic diseases like metabolic syndrome and obesity associated diabetes, too, but also perhaps in controlling the overall immune response uh, generated from the depot fat adipose tissue immune cell residing organ, or indeed even associated with tumors and lipid um, depositions in solid organs, such as in the liver, where we get fatty liver disease or around the cardiovascular system, or even atherosclerotic plaques. So this is a much more global discussion. Do omega-3 fatty acids really alter the pro-inflammatory response? That's what we're talking about today. So again, I'm Dr. Dan Guerra. Um, this is my Authentic Biochemistry podcast. I also have a Varev Med Authentic Biochemistry um, video channel on YouTube, uh, and we also do consulting. So I'm just going to get started with this discussion so that we won't belabor uh, the point, and I will be getting back to you about how you can donate to uh, the podcast later. So it's a paper that was published in Molecular Nutrition and Food Research just recently, 2019, and it's volume uh, 63. So, this is what the paper is about. White adipose tissue is both a depot lipid reservoir and, of course, what we could call, what we could argue is a diffuse endocrine organ. Okay? It's diffuse because it's part of the viscera, like, for example, visceral fat. So it's not one organ, such as the location of the pancreas, or the liver, or the kidneys, uh, but it's distributed around where, where visceral fat can accumulate, which is various parts of the trunk of the body, around the shoulders, and around the rear of the body. Those are places where adipose can accumulate. So obese white adipose tissue is infiltrated normally with inflammatory immune cells, Those together with adipocytes, which make up the bulk of it, can generate inflammatory responses, and that can lead to insulin resistance in the fat, which is a bad thing because that's what generates type 2 diabetes. So the (laughs) the secretion of pro-inflammatory cytokines and adipokines, things like interleukin-1-beta, interleukin-6, a big player, and leptin, of course, I know you've heard of that, with a concomitant drop in insulin sensitizing adipokines, like a adiponectin and interleukin ten, is what causes the pathology to induce. Okay, so we've heard of pro inflammatory TH seventeen cells. talked about them recently in all of my uh, uh, authentic biochemistry, as well as in VeraF med lectures. So pro inflammatory TH seventeen cells accumulate in adipose tissue. And wherein, when that occurs, the Th17 cell activation is actually driven by adipose tissue associated derived stem cells. So we call those ASCs, adipose derived stem cells. And when it's found in an, in an obese situation, like an obese individual, they are called OBASC. So OBASCs, but not regular ASCs from, say, lean adipose tissue, are actually the things responsible for the TH17 promotion. And they work through the STAT-3 activation and an ICAM-1-mediated interaction. So a a cell-cell interaction with the ICAMs, okay? Those are adhesion molecules. And the STAT-3, of course, is an intracellular cascade system. So obesity is associated with elevated levels, serum levels, that is, saturated fatty acid, And it's known that in some uh, correct phenotypical pathophysiological systems, uh, short-chain saturated fatty acids can actually enhance inflammation. And they work through the TLR4, that is the toll-like receptor 4, that results in uh, the transcription factor NF-kappa B and, and secretion. Uh, to induce the the, uh, secretion of more synthesis and and secretion of more pro-inflammatory cytokines. So MS3, polyunsaturated fatty acids, I'm going to call them PUFAs, are known to decline in obesity. And the balance between the omega-6 and the omega-3 fatty acids in obese individuals is usually skewed heavily towards omega-6, ratio upwards of about 20 to 1 on a Western diet. So the suggestion is the omega-6 polyunsaturated PUFAs are substrates for the biosynthesis of <coughs> pro-inflammatory mediators, such as uh, prostaglandin E2 and leukotriene B4, whereas the omega-3s are doing something else. Indeed, that's the case. So since uh, cyclooxygenase oxygenates uh, N-6, that is omega-6 puffers, things like arachidonic acid to PGE2, prostaglandin E2, while eicosapentaenoic acid and omega-3 it's converted to non-inflammatory PGE3, right? Okay, that specific isoform of uh, prostaglandin E called 3. There is a decrease actually from that in TNF-alpha, tumor necrosis factor alpha, IL-6, and IL-1 beta, which are all pro-inflammatory cytokines. So since the reduction of the cytokines by DHA, hexanoic acid, and EPA, eicosapentaenoic acid, appears to involve the effects of NF-kappa B, which is what we're talking about here, and the reduction in the signaling of the TLR4. And that may be due to the ability of these long-chain puffers to affect membrane raft formation. Because remember, M3 fatty acids have a tremendous effect on membrane physiology. They make the membrane more fluid, and they alter membrane raft morphology, and therefore formation and movement and what is found in that raft, and whether or not it makes it to the plasma membrane, or back into an endosomal compartment, for example. So all that's really important. So DHA and EPA, okay, also affect NF-kappa B activation via the upregulation of PPA or gamma. And EPA and DHA also actively participate in the resolution of inflammation, they resolve, it. in fact, some of the byproducts of the omega-3 fatty acids are called resolvins. They resolve inflammation, kind of like T reg cells do. So they resolve inflammation and they do so via conversion of metabolites called, as I just said, resolvins, protectins, and marissins. And all of those are under the subheading of called Pro Resolving Mediators, specialized pro resolving mediators, or SPMs. Okay? Got that? All right. Now, pharmaconutritional therapeutic, that's when you use polyunsaturated fatty acids from a pharmacological perspective in nutritional environments, okay, giving it as a nutritional supplement or found within foods that are high in omega-3 fatty acids. So I call that a pharmaconutritional therapeutic and in this case, it's an N-3 polysaturated fatty acid, those can actually inhibit interleukin-17A secretion and TH17, which is a really potent T-cell pro-inflammatory uh, regimen, um, activation of TH17s in autoimmune diseases, such as uvitis, colitis, experimental autoimmune encephalomyelitis, Um, which is uh, similar to lupus in humans, uh, or psoriasis. And all these studies have been used using uh, fish oil uh, and transgenic mice. So the real question is, will the precursor to the um, marine oil, EPA and DHA, that people consume in the diet, will uh, alpha-linolenic acid, which is the omega-3 fatty acid found in green leaves of plants, for example, if you feed that dietary ALL, which is the natural form for omega-3s, because you can elongate and desaturate, I'll mention that in a minute, if you feed that to an obese adipose stem cells, okay, where the phenotype is already elevated in the secretion of IL-17A, can you tank this pro-inflammatory response? So we're asking if the precursor to DHA and EPA can tank IL-17A secretion. That's the key uh, feature here. So indeed, what we're going to find out is the researchers in the paper that I'm I'm talking about here found that ALA, it's alpha-lilinic acid, it's an 18-carbon fatty acid with three double bonds, it's omega-3, it's an essential fatty acid in the diet. If ALA, as well as its downstream products, EPA and DHA, inhibit uh, adipose stem cell-mediated 17A secretion but don't alter the secretion of monocyte-derived pro inflammatory cytokines, like interleukin-1-beta and leukin-6. So very specifically, these fatty acids, omega-3s, down-regulate or tank the IL-17 pathway, but not the IL-1-beta and IL-1-6. It's a differential control over the inflammatory response. So the mechanism for the decreased, uh, the decrease of ALA-mediated interleukin-17A secretion these people are going to show is associated with the inhibition of, of the signal transducer and the activator in transcription 3, the STAT3 transcription factor system, and decreased levels of cyclooxygenase 2 and toll-like receptor 4 mRNA level. Okay, so a lot of things to cover here. Now, at the cellular level, alpha-linolenic acid, omega-3, and dietary omega-3, also inhibited this ICAM-1 expression, which, again, is a, an adhesion molecule, cell adhesion molecule. So ALA inhibited ICAM-1 expression in both monocytes and in adipose stem cells. And that resulted in the reduction of cell-cell interaction. And all of that is actually required for Th17 cell stimulation. So there's yet another mechanism that's involved. So let me talk a little bit about omega-3 fatty acids. First of all, they call called the omega-3 because the first double bond is three carbons away from the omega carbon. The omega carbon is the last carbon on the aliphatic chain, which starts with the number one carbon, which is the carboxylic acid. The number two carbon is actually called the alpha carbon. The number three, the beta, and so on, okay? So that's actually how the Greek uh, formulation and the numerical formulation differ a little bit, okay? So the first carbon on a fatty acid, which is the carbonyl, it's usually in an ester form with something like glycerol, for example. Um, that carbon is not the alpha carbon. That's all the number one carbon. The alpha carbon is the second carbon. So sometimes people get confused with that. But the omega carbon is always the last one. That's, that's definitely the truth. All right. So... The omega-3 bond and double bond has, bet- has to be between the third and the fourth at the distal end of a preformed long-chain polyunsaturated fatty acid. So we call it an omega-3, omega means end, right, in Greek, uh, or the last letter in the alphabet. So we use that, we superimpose the, the, where the letter resides in the Greek alphabet to have a meaning in biochemistry. And we say omega means the last. So remember that double bond for omega-3 is between the third and fourth carbon at the end of the molecule. Because it's connecting the third to the last carbon, we call it omega-3, or we can also say N minus 3, N standing for the number of carbons. And the 3, of course, is the omega-3 fatty acid, you see. All right. So that's the, that's the distinction. So remember how fatty acids are described. You talk about the number of carbon atoms, Typically, in most living systems, particularly in humans, which is what we discuss most, you have fatty acid chain lengths between about 12 and 22. And number of double bonds can differ depending on the chain length and the kinds of double bonds, what the geometry, uh, as well as the position. So the geometry has to do with whether or not they are cis or trans fatty acids. I'm sure many people have heard of that. But then the positional isomers are where the omega-3, omega-6 comes in. There's also, of course, omega-9. So that's how you get uh, the actual distinction of all these fatty acids. Chain number, number of double bonds, and where those double bonds are, and the geometry of them around the uh, carbon chain. So common names for fatty acids, lauric acid, C12 saturated, maristate, C14 saturated, palmitate, the most common Saturated fatty acids is a C16 with no double bonds. Sterate, C18. And then you start moving up the ladder and you start getting to things like oleic acid. 18-carbon fatty acids, one double bond. So give that a systematic name, call it cis-delta-9 octadecenoic acid. The ene there rather than the A-N-E means it's a double bond. So linoleic acid, which is an 18-carbon fatty acid, and it's an omega-6, it has two double bonds. It's also an essential fatty acid, so it's called delta nine, delta twelve all cis octadecadienoic acid. Octadecadienoic acid, eighteen carbons long, has two double bonds. dienoid. and the double bonds are in the six, in the nine and twelve position. In the nine and twelve position, twelve carbon is six carbons away from the omega terminus. So it's an omega six. Say the other essential fatty acid in the diet is alpha linolenic acid, what we've just been talking about here in this paper. That is three double bonded, eighteen carbon fatty acid. So we'd call it eighteen colon three, and its actual description is delta nine, delta twelve, delta fifteen, all cis. All the bonds are cis in configuration. Octa deca trienoic acid. Okay. So it's not a diene, it's a triene, three double bonds. And notice that last one, delta 15, is three carbons away from the end because the end of this molecule is 18 carbons. So it's an omega-3. Okay. So you get the idea. That's how the nomenclature works. All right. Now, de novo fatty acid synthesis is involved in primary metabolism. And basically where you get it from is the pyruvic acid is metabolized either via carboxylation or by decarboxylation. You carboxylate it in the mitochondria to oxaloacetic acid, C4 compound, or you decarboxylate it via the pyruvate dehydrogenase complex uh, at the beginning of the TCA cycle, if you want to look at it that way, and that makes acetyl-CoA. So you condense OAA with acetyl-CoA, enzyme called citrate synthase, that's in the TCA cycle, makes citrate. Now normally citrate would move through the TCA cycle, but when the TCA cycle is filled up because all the NAD is reduced to NADH, for example, rather than to run the TCA cycle through its oxidative metabolism, so you're oxidizing the carbon and you're reducing the NAD to NADH. Remember, the NADH is going to go on to the electron transport chain. It's going to be reoxidized through four complexes. Protons are going to pump across the inner mitochondrial membrane, move back through the F0 stalk of the proton pumping ATPase to make ATP. Right, we talked about this many times. Um, that citrate because it's not going to be further metabolized. TCA cycle like will leave the mitochondrion, and it will be reacted with uh, an enzyme called ATP citrate lyase, which actually burns a mole of ATP. And what that does, it reforms acetyl CoA and OA, but now in the cytoplasm. That acetyl CoA is a precursor to fatty acid synthesis, and you need NADPH to carry out that reductive biosynthesis. And that's generated by the malic enzyme, also the OPP if it's working. The malic enzyme will take OAA to malate, malate back to pyruvate. And when you go to malate to pyruvate, you use the malic enzyme, and that reduces NADP to NADPH, and DPH can be used for the reductive fatty acid biosynthesis. Okay. So the way you go from OAA, basically the malate too, is you need the NADH from glycolysis. That's all, this is a cycle. That way, you can reform pyruvate from OAA. Pyruvate goes back into the mitochondria to go back into synthesize OAA and acetyl-CoA, the reactions I just told you at the beginning, citrate synthase back to citrate, citrate back out, acetyl-CoA. So this is a, a molecular system to get acetyl-CoA into the cytoplasm to make fatty acids and, to, of course, to make prenolipids lipids like cholesterol derivatives. Mm-hmm. All right. The... Uh, different reactions in fatty acid synthesis could be uh, noted as well. You have an acyl carrier protein and you have a grouping of enzymes. They include acyl transferases. There's an acetyltransferase, which will transfer the acetate from acetyl CoA to acetyl ACP, because ACP also has a phosphothiester, a phosphopantothione prosthetic group in the acyl carrier protein. And it just look, it's exactly the same prosthetic group as in coenzyme A, only coenzyme A, of course, is a nucleotide. Uh, but now you've housed the acetate bound to a protein. You're ready to run the fatty acid synthase. Um, you can also take malonyl-CoA and return it into malonyl-ACP. Now that you've got acetyl-CoA and malonyl-ACP, you can start condensing that carbon uh, within the fatty acid synthase uh, reactions. And that first reaction, of course, is beta-ketoacyl-ACP synthase, uh, then there is a couple of them, one of them would use acetate, one of them use melanate, and then ultimately the rest of it is a reduction, because now you, you have a carbonyl, right? Then you have a dehydratase, you get rid of the water that's there, okay, because you've, you've reduced one of the ketone functions, so you've made an OH group, and you've got the hydrogen on the other plane, so you eliminate water, now you've got a de- double bond And that double bond now gets reduced by NADPH. This is where the reductive biosynthesis comes in. Uh, And the reduction of that then gives you a saturated two carbon long extra chain. That's how fatty acid synthesis works. All right. Finally, at the end of that, there is a thiolase reaction, which is also a component of uh, the fatty acid synthase. And that will clip off the fatty acid and have it form an acyl CoA. And the acyl-CoA, okay, and so that acyl-CoA then will go on to, um, into the rest of lipid metabolism. So you have fatty acid synthesis, fatty acid elongation, uh, and ultimately the release of the fatty acid from the FAS, homodimer in humans, uh, a protein. And when that is released, okay, when that occurs. Uh, that fatty acid can then be coupled to glycerol or sphingosine, for example, and you make the rest of the complex lipids in the cell. Right. Or you can make cholesterol esters too. Of course, that's a real brief overview. So to get back to this, uh, the two different basic kinds of essential fatty acids: basic formula formula of linoleic versus linolenic. Just remember the double bond in linoleic acid is always going to be in the six carbon position, and the double bond in the linolenic alpha linolenic series is going to be in the omega three position. Then you have a series of desaturases. You have sterile CoA desaturase, which produces a double bond between the 9 and 10. That gives you oleic acid, cis double bond. You also have a delta 6 and a delta 5 desaturase, which put double bonds in those positions closer to the carboxy terminus. Okay. So in the diet, if you take in arachidonic, uh, excuse me, if you take in linoleic acid, Linoleic acid, which is 18 colon 2 delta uh, uh, 912, right? Uh, because it ha- it's six carbons away from the 18, right? Um, linoleic acid can be converted ultimately either via the delta 6 pathway or directly through uh, a, a, the delta 9 pathway, ultimately making arachidonic acid. So you make 18 carbon fatty acids with, with three double bonds, and then you elongate it. So now you've got a 20 carbon fatty acid, such as 20 colon 3 delta 8, 11, 14, right? Double bond shift. And then you hit it with a delta 5 desaturase. And then you, of course, will make arachidonic acid. Okay? So that's how arachidonic acid is made. Now, if it's a 18 colon 3 fatty acid in the diet, which is the signature delta nine twelve fifteen, 15, it meets up with the delta 6 desaturase. It's going to also make an 18 carbon fatty acid with four double bonds. But that last double bond is going to stay at the omega. N. It's going to be now a 6, 9, 12, 15 positional isomer. You're going to elongate that, desaturate that again with a delta 5, just like we did with the omega 6s. And now you're going to end up with glycosopentanoic acid which is delta 5, 8, 11, 14, 17 icosano, uh, I, yeah, icosanoic acid, okay? So now you've got a 20-carbon fatty acid, 20 colon 5 with five double bonds, because you've elongated, okay? So the next step with that is to make a 22-carbon fatty acid. And then there used to be believed an omega-4, or gonna be a delta-4 desaturase, which would make the hexanoic acid, 22 carbon, six double bonds. And that's uh, four, seven, 10, 13, 16, 19 where the double bonds are from memory. All right, so once again, you've got omega-6 fatty acids. They meet up with the desaturase called delta-6. The gene for that is FADS2 for desaturase. You make an 18 carbon fatty acid with three double bonds from the omega-6 series. Uh, and that is actually gamma-linolenic acid. You elongate that to twenty colon three n minus six. it with the other delta five, which is coded by the FADS1 gene, you make twenty colon four uh, omega n minus six. That is basically a acid. Okay. When you take in again, this is just re- reminding you, when you take in alpha-linolenic acid, which is eighteen colon three omega three you desaturate to 18 colon 4, then you elongate to 20 colon 4, remaining as an omega-3 fatty acid, so it's not arachidonate. Then you desaturate it with that FADS one gene coding for the delta 5, and you make pentanoic acid, 20 carbons, five double bonds. Then you elongate it to 22 with five double bonds, elongate it again to 24, with five double bonds, hit it with a delta-6 desaturase, which is coded by the FADS2 again, and that delta-6 desaturase will end up with a 24-carbon fatty acid, six double bonds, still omega-3 position, all cis geometry. And then you do a chain shortening, which is kind of like a beta oxidation, and that's how you actually end up with DHA, or 20 and 6 omega-3. So there is no real... Uh, delta-4 desaturase. It was putative, but we know it doesn't exist. All right. So we're about ready now to talk about the metabolism of the eicosanoids. So fatty acids can meet up with um, either... the Fatty acids can either be omega-6 or omega-3, and they can meet up with uh, cyclooxygenase enzymes uh, or lipoxygenase enzymes or P450, Epoxygenase enzymes, and that's going to give you a whole series of oxygenated fatty acids, which play really important roles in the inflammatory and pro-inflammatory complex. And that's how we're going to get to the rest of this paper that we have uh, that we introduced you when we get done uh, with the next episode. So right now, I'm just going to go ahead and uh, stop it here. I've got to the point where we started talking about oxygenation of fatty acids. I told you how you take in dietary omega-6, omega-3. I gave you the the front loading of the paper talking about ALA, that is alpha-linolenic acid mediated control over inflammation from adipose tissue. I went through the de novo pathways, desaturation pathways. Now we're going to start talking about those oxygenated products. Now They are some of the real players involved in inflammation or anti-inflammation. So right now, this is Dr. Dan Guerra saying bye for now from Authentic Biochemistry.